How to transform your passion into a successful startup. Welcome to Lead, an inspiring podcast that focuses on the creative spirit inside us all. Jocelyn Bellows interviews accomplished entrepreneurs about overcoming obstacles and achieving greatness. Join us today and lead into a fulfilling and successful life. So hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Leap. This is Jocelyn. Um, I'm here today with Chris Moore. And Chris is the founder of Wearative. And Chris, thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Yeah, thanks, Jocelyn. It's uh, it's great to be here and talk to you about this and storytelling, because I know it's a passion that we both share. Yeah. yeah. So uh, jumping right in, ta- let's talk a little bit about Wearative, what it is, how you started, and Go right ahead. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, Wearative is a company that I founded uh, almost two years ago. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a badge of honor to think that we've been alive now for two years. Um, but yeah, you know, I was in the corporate world for a long time, for 15 years in cancer diagnostics, and I loved, I loved being near patients. I loved the fight against cancer, and I love medicine. I'm a biologist from background. But when I spent that much time in the corporate world, um, you know, when you, you you just naturally, I at least wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I wanted more responsibility, more pay. You know, that's what I was working for. And unfortunately, I realized very late that the the more you kind of take on in those roles, the further you get from patients and from medicine, from the things that I really grew to love. And the deeper you get into corporate planning and corporate PowerPoints and, and those types of things. So in other words, you get further from the story of people, you get deeper in the story of the corporation. And, um, I, you know, I've, I just found that my satisfaction was declining. I love the people I worked with. I love the teamwork and the camaraderie. I love the shared mission statements. But, you know, I, I miss the fact that I wasn't in hospitals. I wasn't with patients and I wasn't with doctors. And so two years ago, after a lot of uh, heartburn, literally, um, and a lot of hard discussions with the family, we said goodbye to the corporate world. And I mean, the stars kind of aligned perfectly for us to do so. Um, so we started Wearative. And Wearative, we, I, that's the simplest form is we're storytellers. I tell stories. That, that, that is what I do. I tell stories. We happen to do websites. We do a lot of PowerPoint presentations. We do some graphics. We do a reasonable amount of video. Uh, so people like to ask me to do those things, and I always respond with, "I don't. I don't. I tell stories." So if you have a story that needs that one of those as a vehicle to do it, happy to do that for you. But if you don't have a story to tell, I am not your guy. And so we've built this little business around storytelling, and it looks like vegan ice cream companies. It looks like tattoo parlors. I, uh, I lead the commercial organization of a, of a cancer diagnostic company that's a startup that only needs a part-time storyteller, part-time marketer. And so I do that. Um, and then I do small projects here and there for you know, large medical corporations um, that, that need that help, you know, that need someone to come in and connect what they're, what they're doing, something very technical, very complicated, to patients who are in a, an emotional um, peak of their lives and how do you connect those two things? So that's what Wearative is. 
Yeah. And we're thankful every day we are still in business. <laughs> yeah. 730 days later. <laughs> Nobody's counting. No. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody but myself and me started counting. <laughs> yeah. So when, you know, you mentioned something about the heartburn, right? Can we kind of dig into there? Yeah. And what was the, what was the transition? What was the decision to make that leap? Yeah. So uh, literally a very true story. Maybe about a year and a half before I quit the corporate world. You know, I had these feelings that I was, I wasn't happy. Um, I was in the motions. I mean, I was just that corporate person that that we all think about who's just I drive you know I leave my driveway at 745 I you know clock in at eight you know metaphorically clock in at eight I take my lunch you know I was that person and I was unhappy but I was married we had two kids we have a house we have ailing parents we have the same things everybody else is dealing with and um I don't know. It was like a random Monday or something. And I just, my stomach started to be really upset. It really, this was a real thing. And I couldn't eat. And I'm a very, the way I balance stress in my life is with physical fitness. Um, and so I'm a very active person. So obviously if I'm not eating, that's a, that's a problem because I'm not exercising, which means my stress level is not in control, which means I'm lashing out. Right. And so that might, I couldn't eat. My stomach was just like, I, it was this pain in my stomach. And I, I've always been allergic to bananas and avocados. Totally random fun fact. <laughs> and so I understand this intolerance versus allergy thing. Um, and, and so for like the whole week, I, I didn't eat. And I, I can't remember now. I dropped like 15 pounds, which is a big deal, of course, for anybody. It's a big deal for me. And that Friday, I was trying like saltines and Sprite like at the office and I'm texting Lisa and I'm like, I can't even keep like, it's, this is killing me. And so I went to that Friday, I just left work and I went to urgent care and I'm like, something's desperately wrong with me. And I go in there and I went to like one of those walk-in clinics, you know, they're supposed to be laid back. And I go in and I'm like, Hey, I've got this thing where I can't eat. My stomach hurts. And they, they immediately take me back the doctor like pushes on the gut a little bit and she's like, you're out of here. She's like, you can either go right now to the hospital or we're calling an ambulance. It's your call. And it was, you know, the hospital was like two miles down the road and I'm like, I'll go, I can drive myself. And so I go and I text Lisa and I'm like, Oh geez, show up in the ER. And of course I go to the hospital. That's the only level four trauma center in the Rocky mountains in Denver. And so literally it's me sitting there with an upset stomach and here comes, you know, one dude who snapped his leg in 16 places skiing down the mountain, another lady whose car rolled on I-70 because of the snow, you know, so it was like six hours later, they take me back, they do the ultrasound, all this stuff and, and they have no idea what it is. And, and they're like, take this and take, um, Prevacid, I think, uh, some antacid. Hopefully it goes away. And, you know, that's a real, like looking back on it, I can put it within a context of what was going on. But at the time I thought, boy, this is terrible. And they're like schedule some time with a specialist and getting in with a specialist takes two weeks. Yeah. So I really did. It was horrible. It was really bad. I mean, I, I just, and for me, the, you know, to not have that energy, I really had to isolate myself. I'm not, good at 
feeling poorly and being surrounded by people. You know, I need to feel poorly and isolate myself deep in a cave somewhere. <laughs> and anyway, two weeks fast forward and we go to a specialist and they're like, yeah, you, you've likely got um, bad stomach acid. And she, you know, they, they educated me that you know, a lot of people, we think it's kind of that gurgling in your throat where it's burning out your throat. And it's actually not like that for a lot of people. Um, it can be, it can actually stay in the stomach and, and then it can kind of get into your, your bloodstream. So they tend to equate or equate it to like leaky gut where you're, you're just letting bad things into your bloodstream and your bloodstream, that's not supposed to happen. So you just like garbage. So that began like two years, a year and a half of this, this like fight against bad stomach acid. And I, and I think it's stress. I really think it came to me because I was so unhappy and it was my bot, my brain and my heart, whatever my body was telling me, get the, you know, get the heck out. Yeah. You're really unhappy. And, and so, yeah. So when we quit, it was, but, but then it brings on its own other level of stresses, you know? I mean, I, you know, I, we, I had a business plan. I had, we had a strategy of things. Believe me, I mean, I discussed this. I'm a very analytical person, so it was discussed ad nauseum. And then, you know, like a month, I remember we went live with our online store. And like for the first week, we had orders coming in. And I remember the first night, I, that first full day, I had no order come in online. And I'm like, uh oh. And then, like, that was a second night and a third night and a fourth night. And then one came in, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then it was like another, you know, seven nights. And I was like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work. We can't live off $22 purchases every four days. You know, this is, we have a big problem on our hands. Um, yeah. And it was, it was hard. I mean, we had a lot of hard conversation. We, the thing that was good is that um, we had a plan. We had a safety net. And so even though the things weren't working, I didn't have to stress out about I didn't have to fully stress out about, I have no idea how I'm going to feed our young children tomorrow because we had a plan to do that, thankfully. And, you know, we had health insurance. We had a plan to have health insurance. We had money, you know, to take care of that. So that was great. But then to think, okay, I don't, this plan I had isn't working. Now what? And that plan, you know, I spent a year and a half thinking of that plan. What the heck? So it was hard. Yeah, it was it was a lot of upset stomach. It was a lot of what's my worth here in the world. It was a lot of maybe the corporate world wasn't so bad. You know, it was a lot of those things. It's all the self-doubt. Yes. It's your scarcity mindset. It's the fear, right? Yes. I want to ask though the difference. So you talked about the dis-ease in your body that was created. And I think you you said it to from your own mind yeah. because you were Maybe you weren't fully aware, but there was something that wasn't working well in corporate America for you. Yes. And that manifested into dis-ease in your body. Yes. Hence, you ended up in the ER. Now you've transitioned into starting your business, and it's a different stress. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about how that was different from the stressors of being in corporate America? Now you you are pursuing a passion. Yeah. And the difference, the difference in the stress. Uh, totally. And I... Um, I don't know. I used to just finish reading this book or listening to this book this week called like, um, unf your brain. And, um, that talked about how your brain actually through trauma wires itself really to protect you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so, I, so, so after hearing that, I'm not sure chemically and stress-wise how that works, but I, here's an analogy I like to I think about, and that is, um, you know, I've always been the person that if someone tells me I can't do it, man, I love that situation. Like I, I always tell told people in my jobs, you know, I want to be on the team that whose goal is impossible. You know, give me that unconquerable goal. I want that thing that nobody can do, and I want you to tell me that you don't think I can do it because it'll be done by the end of the week. You know, I've always been that person. I thrive. I always root for the underdog, even if the underdog is against my team. You know, I don't know. I just, just, I've always been that person. When you're in the corporate world and things are not going well, you, that's not the situation. You can't fill more sandbags to hold back the water. Yeah, it's just, it is not, there is not a direct correlation, at least in the situation I've been, there's not a direct correlation between I can get up in the morning and with more discipline, do well in the corporate space. There's so much politics. There's so much interrelations. There's so many things outside your control. And that stresses me out. I couldn't, because I can't fix it. I can't put more sandbags around my house. There's only so many band-aids you can put on leaky faucets. Totally. Yeah. And in the court, especially corporate worlds, to be big corporations, you pull off one Band-Aid and you're like, ah, oh, thank goodness. And there's these like other Band-Aids that nobody tells you. We call them sleeping biases. You know, these things that are in there that nobody talked about. You want to be like, why did you tell me that? Because um, it lives about, it lives in another country and, and you learned about it after the fact, exactly. maybe five months later. And it exposes a vulnerability and a weakness in somebody. And they don't want to admit that. They never thought you'd get to this point where you see that. And you're like, Dude. I mean, and, and then the attorneys get involved. Right. <laughs> so that's a whole another side note. Right. But I, I think you touched on something about the ability that you have to contribute as an individual in your own space versus yes. contribution in a, in a larger space. So can we listen yeah. to so that's that? The, so the stress is different for me. Um, I mean, like we're even going through it right now. We, we thought, and we may still, but we were hoping this big contract would come through and and it's kind of retracted a little bit, and I'm not so sure we're going to get it. And that's stressful because I had I had planned on it. You know, I had thought it was um, I had thought it was done a done deal, and it doesn't seem to be. And so that's stressful. And but but the the thing is, so that's stressful, right? Because you wonder, okay, well, I, I had I haven't been going for new business because I thought this would be here. Um, that's not going to be here anymore. Shoot, I haven't been selling for like 30 days now. But the stress is so much better now because you can I can say to myself, I can fill more sandbags. Like I can I am in full control of of the effort I, that I can put in that directly relates to what my business is gonna do. And that and now there are other things, sick kids, and there's just other things outside sick parents, other things outside of your control sometimes, and priorities that you fight against. But what I love about and where the stress is different is that I'm in control of it. So if I'm feeling it, I know what I can do to make it better. Or I know what I can do to have an impact. And and that's, for me, for the guy who's always loved that situation and never been afraid of it, that is a big sigh of relief. You know, granted, I wish I could, you know, work one hour a day and make 10 times the money instead of 10 hours a day and make three times the money. But but I would, I'm okay with having to work really hard. And that, for some reason, that stress I can handle, um, the corporate stress I could not. And I think that's really why one ate away at my gut, literally. And the other one is just, you know, um, a bad day or two or a week and, and then I'm back to normal again. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to touch on some fulfillment because uh, I hear that in in your voice and I hear that in in the conversation. I want to go back to you started the conversation about you know when you started working in corporate America and you were touch point with with your patients yes. and there was such a fulfillment in that. And and as you grow in that corporate ladder, you got further and further away from that. And I'm just going to take a moment because I I can relate to that personally. Uh, I actually worked in organ and tissue donation for about a decade. And for a period of time, I was interfacing with the families, the donor families and with recipients. And as I grew, same thing, I felt there was a distance um, to the heart of the conversation. And that was what, that's what kept me there for as long as it did, because there were tough days. Yet when you see the impact in that yes. person, it yes. feels really amazing. Totally. So I, I, I understand from that point of view. Now that you are in a space that you've created, what does that look like for you, that fulfillment piece? Um, I just had it happen this week, actually, an example. Um, so I was at a, a cancer conference, a breast cancer conference. And my job there was to meet with several um, breast cancer oncologists and talk about this product that I'm helping this company with. And, um, you know, for the most part, those are kind of basic interviews. Hey, would you buy? What would you need to see? How would it help? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and that can get a little mundane, but, you know, that's sometimes just, just the way it goes, right? And then Thursday morning, I met very early with this woman. She's an oncologist uh, in the Northeast. And when she sat down, you could just tell there was a lot on her heart. You know, she carries a lot. And... And we were able to talk about it very quickly. So we didn't talk at all about the product that was there. We did eventually. So I did end up doing my job. But um, we just talked about family and and things that her kids were going through. And both of them are teenagers and and a girl and a boy and the different things they were going through. And they had gone through some rough stuff together, had prevailed, you know. But with and, And honestly, we got there because she asked me what I did for a living. And I said, you know, I'm a storyteller. And, and so I share a little bit of my story and there there's fulfillment, not in just being able to share my own vulnerability, because that's what I, I'm a storyteller. So if you're going to tell me your story, you know, you don't, I, I need to share mine too. Right. And, and so that, but to be able to share that with somebody and I've gotten good now, you know, the corporate world, it's a uh, blue suits and check your emotions. Right. They don't want to see you get emotional, which is crazy. That's who we are. It's it's allowing your walls to to drop. It's allowing to shed your armor totally. and that vulnerability. And that's a that's a word I I found I'm seeing again and again and again in my yes. podcast. Yes. Um, it's that what that's what allows for human connection. Totally. And as a storyteller, isn't that the heart of what you're doing? Oh, absolutely. But I struggled with that. I mean, we I would talk about that with Lisa all the time. Of like, you know, I'd go hang out with um especially the tattoo parlor and um, in Colorado smoking weed is legal. Right. And so break, and folks from Colorado, yeah. <laughs> just <to> FYI <laughs> break time at the tattoo parlor was actually for people to go smoke weed. I don't do that. Um, and whatever I teach their own. Yeah. But um, that was very hard for me to break. Well, well just break time. And then like, that we're all going to go sit around a car table and smoke. I mean, like that is just way out of my comfort zone. But what I'm so thankful for is it trained me to drop this corporate thing I had been 
you know, this corporate square I had shoved myself into of don't show emotion. It allowed me and trained me to sit at a table with people I don't know doing things that I don't do and connect. And with this woman this week, you know, it, it, I've been trained now. I, I see it and I get to see it that everybody has this story. And it is the joy of my life to be able to sit down and get to those stories. And, and by the way, not with an answer, but just with an ear. And, and that's, that's, that to me is fulfillment. I mean, that to me, I mean, bringing cool cancer diagnostics that save people's lives to the market is fantastic. And I'll never regret doing that. And I'll, I hope I always do it in some way, shape, or form, for sure. But, Lynn, you said it. We are a people who need to connect. I need to connect. And I need to connect with stories. And, and man, when you can do, when you find those people who are willing to meet you at that vulnerable state, and, and all those walls go down, and you can just, like, heart-to-heart talk about what's happening in your life and share the, the good, bad, and the ugly, and in a way that you know it's real, man, that's, that, to, I love that. I mean, that is, that is fantastic. And I, you know, and this, this wonderful woman, you know, her daughter wrote a book about being a teenager in high school. And, you know, I read it on the plane home last night. And, you know, I mean, I, I had, in the, the 15 years I spent in big corporations, I did not have that experience, but being on my own and being trained to go for the person and not for a problem. Gosh, man, that that to me is fulfillment. Like I will, it helps me connect with our boys. It helps me connect in our marriage. I'm not saying I'm perfect at any of those still, but it's always oh my, a journey. Yeah, it is always a journey. So that's fulfillment for me at the end of it. You know, my life, I want my life to be my message. I want, I want our boys when, when I'm dead, I want them to look at, at back at my life and realize that I took the risk to connect better with myself and with people that, and, and I, and hopefully left the world better. I use my talents to make the world a better place through connecting. That's what I want. Not man, dad was a senior VP at da, 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 and he had an Audi and we did this and da, da, da. I do not want that to define my life. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with right? you. Right? Yeah. I, and I thank you for sharing that. And, I, and yeah. you know, we, we had a pre-con before we got on this um, conversation. And I remember we talked a little bit about this and I, I kind of think I said to you, I think I, we share a very similar value. My my goal in life, I, I want to have this kaleidoscope, right? I want to have this bright, brilliant quilt of life, yeah. of experiences, of connection. The dollars are going to come, yeah. right? They're going to come and they're going to go. We're always going to have that opportunity. I want my celebration of life yeah. to be full of people that meant something to me yeah. and that I touched them in some way. Totally. That's that's so much more fulfilling than having a full bank account. Totally. That's just my personal philosophy, yes. um, I, and I think we kind of shared a little bit of oh, that. For sure. Um, there's a couple of things that I really want to touch on. So, one, I, I want to share this quick story about connectivity and and going back to you know some of my exp- experience, you know, working in the organ and tissue donation industry. About eight years into my time, we merged with um, a very large organization, actually the largest in the world. And we went from a 30-person company to over 500. And as we were kind of getting ready for that, 
I was sat in good fortune that I was sitting at the head of the table from my organization. So I got to meet the senior staff from the other group and meeting the CEO who was actually revolutionizing what we were doing in that industry. He really, he flipped the script and it was a bit intimidating because I knew his reputation, but I hadn't met Monty yet. And in the first conversation, he starts telling his story about his time in India because at the time we were they were building infrastructure in India and they're mm-hmm. and they're really creating something over there. And he was telling a story about a little boy that that he got to meet along his journey, and he's weeping. And at that point, again, that vulnerability. Here's a guy who's sitting at the head of the table, who is changing this entire industry, and he's sharing his weak point. He's sharing the story. And at that moment I said, okay, I don't care the hours because he's in it and I'm in it too. I'm in it right there with you. We are affecting other people and that feels really good. Yes. Right. Yes. So I want to share that, but I also want to go back. I want to talk about the top two parlors, but we might come back to that for okay. a minute because I want to actually hit upon your superpower. Yeah. So you, obviously you, I, I see your superpower as your storytelling ability. Yeah. When did that come to fruition? When did you realize that that was your thing? Yeah. Uh, that is a great question. And funny enough, I probably only in the last year have come to accept that I could do it. Um, so Lisa, my wife and I, we've known each other for, known each other for like 12 ish, 11 years. We've been married for nine and, um, I would present in at these, and we worked the same company and I'd present and she would say, you're a really good presenter. And I never really, you know, people say that, I like your sweater. Do you? Do you really <laughs> right. like my sweater? Because it's from Target. <laughs> hey, I know, hey, we all love our targets. Yeah, target. <laughs> we only go in for one thing and we come out with $100 worth of yeah, exactly. garbage. <laughs> I love it all. <laughs> um, so I didn't really think much about it. And then, um, and then I went through a couple of, I remember one time I presented to almost the whole company about a new product we were bringing to market. I, I just chose to have fun with the presentation. I had funny pictures and people really liked it. And then um, General Martin Dempsey, who was the previous chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff before the gentleman who, who is in, who holds that position now, he came to speak to us at this at our company. And he, so here's, I mean, this guy, I mean, he's the guy, I mean, it's like the when it comes to the armed forces, at least it's the president and then it's him, right? Um, so he rolls in black suburbans, uh, people care. I mean, this guy is like stud and he's going to speak to us about military, um, how the military trains you to be good leaders. And he comes in and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. And he puts up one slide of, um, two soldiers. I actually think it was a male and female, where the, um, well, I can't remember which one, one of them was pointing kind of to the left and the other one had had their back to her back or whatever, pointing the gun in the opposite direction. And it was very real. You could see the intensity in their eyes. You know, it, it was just a very real picture. And for an hour, he spoke to us about leadership using just that picture. And he talked about how close they were back to back. He talked about what it means to look in opposite directions and trust. And he talked about the intensity in your eyes. And he talked about the equipment that, go, you know, that, that you're wearing. And I, I mean, it, it made, it blew my mind that here's this dude, this guy with one slide, a picture. 
And that that moment changed the way I look at storytelling, and especially in the in business environment. And so I followed. I did what he did. And I would, as often as possible, not use slides and just tell a story to people. You know, because he didn't me- he didn't read anything for an hour. He had content from an hour because he had a story about you know about what that what that picture was, and so he knew it, and it was very relatable. And so I I changed the way I presented, and I changed the way I talked to people, and I followed exactly what he did. And and when I went to business school, um, they chose somebody to speak at the at graduation. And again, I people had told me I was a good presenter. And the class at first did not choose me, actually. And I was like, man, I'm really frustrated by that. I thought, I was just telling my buddy in class, you know, I kind of thought I'd be good at that. And he's like, what? And I was, I was like, I kind of wanted that. And he's like, dude, we didn't choose you because, you you know, you've got this big job. You've got your traveling. Like, we all knew that you had no time for this. He's like, if you want to do it, I, I, I know the class will choose you. And they did. Like in that moment, it was like, whoa, Chris Moore wants to do this. Let's do it. And so I, at that thing, I told a story about the Velveteen Rabbit and getting your MBA. And, oh, it was just, it was, yeah, that was a defining moment for me that I was actually pretty good at it. And I started to accept, and I would ask Lisa all the time, what is it? Like, what is it about me that makes me a good storyteller? Because I don't see it. I just, I'm just another dude standing up. And so she helped me, and then I had great colleagues who helped me, you know, tell me what I was good at and what I was bad at. Yeah, and then you just, you know, eventually you, I accepted it, and then, and then I put myself in those situations as often as possible because you just get better at it. But yeah, so that's I, my super. I tell people I like to do two things: tell stories and create things. And um, I think that also comes from when you like to do something, you tend to be, you tend you spend a lot of time on it. You become more self-reflective in that space. You, you surround yourself with other people who you admire, who are good at it because you want to learn from them. And I've, I've done that. And so, yeah, that's where I develop my superpower. I tell stories. Yeah. Yeah. I I, and there's a couple of elements there. One, that one of the things I hear from, heard from you, you said you didn't see it for yourself. Yeah. So you're fortunate that you have mirrors around you. And we all do. Uh, I think we're our own worst critic, right? We're, we we have our own voices in our head, and you've kind of referenced yourself, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I read it as well, and and we do tend to tell our own stories. Yeah. And when you have people around you saying, "Well, actually, I see you here," and then the more you start to accept that, the more you can change and rewire what you're thinking about yourself. So, congratulations on having both sides of that, having totally. the mirrors and having yourself totally. to. Li- allowing yourself to listen and and change yes and grow congratulations on pushing those boundaries right yeah because it's easy to stay in this little space of this is what i know about myself and on the other side of that line is fear and i i don't know if i want to challenge that fear right and it's all in your mind right because fear is all in your mind because there's reality that we really can do anything we really want to yeah just have to believe in ourselves enough to do it. Yeah. And I just had a conversation, gosh, was it a week or not too long ago with uh, an, on another podcast and talking with somebody who, <laughs> oddly enough, we had our pre-con and someone I've known for a very long time who's like halfway through the conversation, he's like, oh yeah, I do have a business because we were talking about something else. And he's like, I, he kind of like he forgot, right? Yeah. 
But in that conversation, he's like, oh, I was working like 80 hours a week. And I was like, how did you do that? Brand new marriage, kid on the way, or maybe he had his kid by then, brand new baby. And he's like, it didn't feel like work. So I think you touch on that, right? Yeah. When, when it's something you love, yeah, you just go with it full force. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I appreciate you saying that too, by um, you know having people surround, being able to see that. But you know, in that moment, and you and I talked about this a lot, this is something I'm very passionate about right now, is when you look at how the education system is structured, when you look at how corporate performance review, reviews are structured, when you look at how you know, if there's 360 reviews are structured, they are not structured to congratulate you and help you develop your superpower. You might get lucky. You know, you might have a superpower that is an element of school or that is an element of corporate, and that's awesome. Mm -hmm. and, and the world needs those people, and that's really good. But I think most of us are these type of corporate and university setting wallflowers where we're in it, we can do it, but it's probably not necessarily the best thing for us. It's not going to amplify us like it should. And yeah, and, it, and it's, that's, that's too bad. And because you tend to, I, like I have a friend who like, how's, how's work going? And they're like, oh, performance review. Oh, what'd they tell you? That you care too much. Man, you know, as a business owner myself now, I would like to hire everybody who cares too much. Like I want, you know, of course. So to have, to hear that is a punch in the gut. And, and you, you really do. You really do have to go out of your way to find what that superpower is. And then you have to have the courage. I don't know. Maybe your superpowers are sales spreadsheets. Maybe your superpower is corporate stuff. I don't know. And cool. Do that. But for the rest of the world, which I think is the greater majority, um, the superpower doesn't fit any of those squares. So they need to have the courage to follow it. And that's, man, that is so tough. And, you know, and, you know, you and I have spoke about uh, one of your quotes that I have thought about ever since we talked about it. Of sometimes we're just afraid of what our real potential is, mm -hmm. you know. And I, Lisa actually gave me this book called Wild at Heart. It's about men fulfilling kind of their manliness, but in a Christian way. And there's a quote, and it, there's pros and cons of the book. I loved the first third of it. It was very empowering and wonderful. The last third was a bit of a struggle for me, but. Um, there's a quote in there that has stuck with me after talking to you was don't look to the world for what it needs. Find a way to come alive because what the world needs is people who have come alive. And, you know, that's, I love that, of course, but, you know, that's, but show me how the university system is set up to do that for you. Show me how big corporations are set up to do that for you. Show me how those entry-level jobs at almost any company are set up to do that for you. They're not. And appropriately so, right? A company has this one thing it needs to accomplish. It needs everybody rowing in that direction. And if that direction, if that, that position on the boat isn't your superpower, well, you work for that company. So you're asking for it. And, but they are not set up to show you and develop the things that make you come alive. And we need to fix that. That needs to be fixed. Yeah. And to think about now that you pay, you know, $50,000 a year to go to a school that will not help you come alive. What? I mean, that's crazy. But, they, but there's no alternative. I mean, it's not an easy solution. I get it. I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and say, I mean, I did it, you know, I, but, so I, I, it's not easy to fix. 
But I it think, needs to be fixed. I think there's I think there's space for both. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We do need that space and people who will get up every morning and go to their job and yes. do their widgets and whatever. Yes. That does exist. And we need that complement of the people who get curious, yes. who ask the questions, who are saying, I want to do it differently. Is Yes, that's always been the path, but why? Yeah. Is that the right way? Right. Well, it's a way, right? It's interesting. So I had this conversation yesterday with an, a woman that's going to be a future podcast guest. Yeah. And we were talking about this. She's actually a former math teacher, and she's um, in the process of building a, a space here is their second city. Um, and she's, she's, she's a woman on fire. She makes me look like I'm super calm. And we were talking about math because she's a former math teacher. Math happens to be like my favorite subject. Yeah. Right. And my favorite teacher was my math, my high school math teacher. So here I am sitting with someone who's fantastic. And I, and I remember Mr. Kyle, Mr. Roger Kyle used to say, you know, we'd have a problem on the board. And I often would raise my hand and want to do it my way. And he oftentimes would ask me to come up because it was, okay, this is the pathway that the textbooks follows. Yes. And then there was Jocelyn's way. Yes. And I, and I, at the time, I think I was a little timid. I'm, you know, 16, 17, and you're kind of changing and unsure of yourself. And I look back and say, you know, I'm really grateful that that was me, that I had the other way to do it. And I think, I, and that's certainly why Leap is exists because yeah. I think, there's something in there. Moreover, there's room for it. Yeah. We just have to be open enough and curious and willing yeah. to take that shot. Yes. And and if you fall and you fail, you get back up and you do it again. Right. And I think that actually tra- I transitioned myself nicely because I want to talk about that because yeah. you we touched on it. Yeah. Um, you had some challenges, right? And you had to oh, revisit. Yeah. So can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I do want to go back to one more thing. Sure. Know. Yeah, go for it. Um, I was raised by my father who my mom was out of our, we saw her over the weekend. They got divorced. And, but my father stepped up and took, um, took essentially full custody of us and my sister and all myself and we in Eastern Tennessee. And he, he worked a job he hated. Um, and I didn't know that growing up that he hated that job. Um, and we were, we were poor. We lived in a, in a very poor house. We had no heat and no air conditioning. Um, so in the summertime, you take a shower and you sweat all day. And in the wintertime, you froze to death. We had these little, this garbage baseboard heater and this heater that he, he worked at a hospital as an engineer. He took, when they threw it out, he took it. And um, he would only let us turn it on if we were right next to it. Cause he was so worried it would catch fire and we'd all die. Um, I'm totally not making that up by the way. And he sacrificed his superpower to give us that life. And it is not lost on me that the majority of the world has to do that. And do they have to, or do they choose to? Yeah, that's a good question. I think in his situation, my father's passed, so I unfortunately won't ever be able to ask him. But I think in his situation, he obviously chose to. We all have the choice. But, he, you know, he saw that he had to because there was that was the job. That was the job he knew he could make enough money that we we had a lot of other things. Right. We had a house. We were not homeless. You know, we had gifts under the Christmas tree. We had gifts at on our birthdays. We we never took vacations, but we did drive to central Tennessee 
a week of summer to spend time at my grandparents' farm. Um, we had food, you know, we had hygiene. Um, so I think for him, he had to. And back, you know, this is what, 25, 35 years ago, um, the world was also a different place back then too, right? And you didn't have these opportunities to sell things online and, and connect with somebody in wherever South Dakota that could help you with your business idea. You know, those things, those tools, none of that existed. It was the Encyclopedia Britannica that we pet, what we bought for a hundred bucks of Kroger's, right? Um, and do you try to wait till your kids get older? Because yes. I know you have young kids, yeah. as do I. Um, when they start writing their own reports and they can use online, they can go oh, online. Totally. They have no idea. Right. <laughs> Side note, I mean, age, age range, but anyway, go on. Cool. So it's just, it's not, I, my, my life, my, the story of my life will be to identify your, I hope it will be to um, identify that superpower and obsess about it and, and use it to do super things in the world. It is not lost on me though. that There's a huge amount of people around the globe who cannot do that. And I, I hope that, you know, if anything, I can lower that line for those families and those people and those cultures through something I do that allows them to see other avenues, you know, to 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 embrace their superpower. But I, I just wanted to say that because I don't want to be I don't ever want to be accused of being insensitive to, you know, a lot of what goes on and how fortunate we are as being Americans and even of myself of having the career I did have before this. You know, it gave us the ability to put money away. So anyway, I just, I don't want to be insensitive. And I, and I realize that if I want to really have an impact, I have to think not just of how do I satisfy people like me, I have to think of how do I lower that bar for everybody else so they can also jump over it. Anyway, so just wanted to say that. Yeah, your question was about um, setbacks, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's a, they're daily. I mean, I don't know that daily. Yeah, in the beginning, they feel daily. In the beginning, they feel every half hour, actually. I mean, because you just learn all these new things, you know, especially doing it late, like I did. You're not that late. Well, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> 40 is the new 21, right? Exactly. And yeah. if you if you tune into Gary Vee, and I think we, we talked about him a little. Yeah. Um, this is so his platform, by the way, yeah. of there's, you know, the education system is broken. And he is a product of that. And yes. he, I think he actually just posted his like grade school um, report card the other day. He's like, look, I was failing in grade school. Clearly he's done okay for himself. Yeah, yeah. And then part two of you can be an entrepreneur and start your own thing at any age. Yes. Again, it's all mindset. Yes. Going back to you though. Yes. Um, yes. So no, that, totally. I mean, <laughs> here you, you are. Yeah. And you've had setbacks. So you learn these, these, um, this, the setbacks from people not ordering things to deciding that, making things and selling them online isn't going to work long-term. Uh, you know, right now I can say those like these little bumps in the road, but they were not bumps. Those were sleepless nights, early mornings, you know, frustrated weeks. What the heck am I doing next? Um, a lot of that. And even when we finally started to get some regular revenue so that we could breathe a little bit, you know, you're still, you're, I mean, you're making a mistake. You're a, you're a small business and you're working with other businesses with other objectives that are not yours. They have no obligation to you. And so, you know, you have to be ready for that, that that phone call is going to come that, Hey, um, we got to move on. And those are hard, but they, um, how do you deal with that? Yeah. I, they process that. It goes back to your question earlier. A lot of which is that I can't feel more sandbags. 
I'm capable of doing anything. I mean, I, you just, that is my mindset. I can do anything. Anything. And, and I'm very comfortable with the fact that story is a big part of the world. And so it, it, by doing anything and keeping story as my secret weapon, I feel like I can find my place anywhere. But I also think it's, it's being willing. Yeah. You know, Cause I, I think of the setback is an interesting, because I think about it in terms of pay and I, that's a bad metric for yourself. But there's also a setback if you get lazy and you get complacent. And that has for sure happened to me. Well, in fact, just like five or so months ago, I used to work in the basement of this house. And I love being around the boys. And I love being able to help out more around the house. I love the house. I love family. That's, I, that is great. And I think I was becoming complacent. And I would spend more time um, with the boys and helping out around the house than working on my business. That is a form of setback. And I do think it's about being self-aware, which is hard. It's about surrounding yourself with great people who can help you and be supportive when you raise it. That that's, it's not a, a setback isn't a reflection on you as a person. It's just a decision that was made or a track that you veered off of. You can get back. It doesn't mean you're a bad person in any way, shape or form. But then it's also, I think, having, having that big vision for yourself. Like, what are you out to do? What are you out to accomplish? And is what you're doing getting you there? And it and or did that set what are the other things you can do to get you there? And that's really challenges you to think outside the box, just to put yourself in places that you would not have thought to have gone into. And the tattoo parlor is a good I mean, I didn't know anything about tattoos. I don't have tattoos. I've never been in a tattoo parlor, but I knew tattoo parlors were places where people with stories would go. And um I remember sitting in the parking lot the first time I walked into one to pitch them on my services. Nervous. You know, at the time I was 38 or 39 and I've, you know, done a lot of things and I'm nervous to walk into a tattoo parlor, but, but it was, I, I knew I wanted to share stories. Like that was the vision. That's what I knew I needed to do. And so I needed to put on my, my, my big boy pants and go in there. And even if I got knocked in the face, the, it wasn't going to happen any other way. Uh, sitting in my car in their parking lot wasn't going to get me anywhere. Uh, I had a 50-50 chance of it working out for me. And it did. It worked out wonderfully wonderfully for me. I mean, it was a great project. It still is. And I've met great people. And, and it taught me a lot as a storyteller. So anyway, so yeah, those setbacks, be it money, be it complacency, be it a lot, be it, I, oh my gosh, I cannot learn how to figure out Adobe Photoshop to save my life. Or, oh my gosh, my kid has an emergency dental thing. And so that money I was putting away for that camera that I needed, it's going to have to go to teeth, um, baby teeth that are going to fall out. Soon you know, that's just, but there was the goal. That's where I wanted to be. I kept, you know, keep your eye on the prize, surround yourself with people who that when you're like, is this crazy? They tell you no. Um, yeah. And then you, and you know that at some point down the line, you're going to look back and the, all those dots will connect for you. Like in it doesn't feel so much like it is, but it you will, I promise, down the road, look back and all those dots are going to connect. And you're going to think, okay, okay, right on. That was good. I hope that never happens again, but I'm glad it happened then. Because there's always a lesson. Always a lesson. So for people who are on the edge, yeah. right, they, they have something in in their 
vision and they haven't quite taken that step to launching into their own. A summary statement. What is something, a lesson or a thought that you can share with future entrepreneurs as a final wrap-up thought? Without a doubt, 100% do it and just go do that first thing. Like whatever it, 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 you know, you don't have to boil the whole ocean. Um, But if you've got the call, you need to go do it. And it may or may not work out for you, but that's not what you're doing. You're satisfying the call. And... You know, like if you're into, I'm a plant, my degree is in plant genetics. Clearly. Because um, so yeah, <laughs> we talked about it, not at all. Very useful degree. <laughs> um, I have a friend now that owns a plant shop. You know, and I met her after I had my own business, but, um, and she thinks about stories with plants. And, you know, that could have been volunteering at her shop for <laughs> half a half a Saturday every other week, whatever, it, you know, find that way, get in there, get out there, try you need to follow that call. I promise you, you will regret it by not following it. And it's not if it's going to work out or not. That's not it. It's that you did not honor the message that you're giving yourself and the world is giving you about your superpower or about something that might be your superpower. You're not honoring that. And I promise you, if you build a life around that, you're going to be 38 years old at least and think, what the hell am I doing? I promise you, I promise you, if you don't honor that call, and it doesn't have to be quitting the day job and doing what I did. It really can be a whole bunch of little things, but you got to do that. you got to go listen to it. Go take the chance, invest in yourself, find that superpower, and absolutely obsess about it. But yeah, do it. Yeah. I love it. And if you need some help, you can call me. I'll motivate you to do it. <laughs> I know a lot of people who've been in this situation who would tell you the same thing. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who did not answer the call and will tell you you need to answer the call. So yeah. I think that's just a fantastic message. I really do. Uh, on that, how can listeners learn about Tomerative? Yeah. How to find you and how to follow, continue to follow your story. Yeah. Thanks for asked me to do that. I kind of forget. Um, <laughs> Here's your plug. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So, wearative.com is, so wearative is where your narrative smushed together. W-E-A-R-R-A-T-I-V-E.com, wearative.com. So, we have a great website. And honestly, I don't post a ton socially because the stuff I do tends to be a little confidential with people. And so, they're not keen on me blasting on Instagram. And I'm not so sure I'm the best when it comes to social media anyway. Um, but you can visit where.com and see what we're up to, generally speaking, see what we've done, generally speaking, but give a phone call and give an email on my information's on the site. And yeah, I, mean, I love, I love hearing and sharing stories. It does not have to be a big business deal. It does not have to be anything. It can even just be, you know, man, I hate the education system too. I have this idea. Let's talk about what we can do together. I love that stuff like that too. So yeah, anything story is right up my alley. Love it. Yeah. Chris, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation and look forward to following your path. Thanks. Thank you, Jocelyn, very much. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Lee. To learn more about Lee, the podcast and coaching services, please join us on our Lee Facebook page at facebook.com slash what's your Lee.